Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash fine. Visit IXL.com slash fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com slash fine. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. The following podcast contains barnyard language and some adult content. So, maybe listen on headphones if you're at work or around small children. Now, here's the show. Hey, Jolenta. Hey, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by how to win friends and influence people. You know what that means. It's time to influence more people. It's time! No. Oh, no, wait. It's time for another Buy the Book mini episode. Yes! Right. Your life is going down the drain. You're in so much pain. You need some help. Ooh, self-help. Buy the book, 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 buy the book. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we're hearing from all of you out there about our most recent book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. But before we get to this week's responses, we're doing something special this season. In order to put each book we live by into historical context, we're going to talk with historian Trish Travis. Professor Travis is a 20th century U.S. cultural and literary historian with a focus on gender and popular culture. Her subspecialties are, get this, history of medicine with a focus on therapy, addiction and recovery, and self-help. She's basically made for us. She's our perfect other half. <laughs> so welcome, Professor Travis. We are so excited to talk to you. Absolutely. Just to set the stage here, can you tell us what was going on historically when this book was released? I've got two words that I want to use to talk about the moment in which How to Win Friends and Influence People appeared. The first one's pretty commonsensical, and that word is depression. Mm. Uh, of course. The 1930s depression, I think 
most of your listeners are probably aware that it was happening then. But what they may not know is that the suicide rate related to job loss, unemployment, and economic despair crested in 1937, the year that Carnegie's book came out. Wow. 13 million people were estimated to have lost their jobs by the mid-1930s. No that was almost exclusively men. Mm. And by the, 19, the late 1930s, even though the economy was beginning to improve as a result of New Deal prescriptions by the federal government and investment across the country, the long-term emotional and psychological effects were really beginning to take hold among men who had lost their jobs at the beginning of the decade and had been unable to regain their place in uh, in the economic ladder. So the depression was real, not only as an economic factor, but as an emotional and psychic issue that affected people at a real gut level. We also tend not to think about when we think about the Depression is that by the early 1930s, when the crash happened, most middle-class people were working in large corporations. Right. And getting along with other people was of paramount importance. So the title of Carnegie's book is really a sort of how to be an economically viable figure in the landscape of the 1930s. In order to do that, you have to win friends and influence people because you're not going to be able to make it otherwise. That leads me to the other word that I wanted to introduce to your audience to think about why this book was so important. In addition to a growing middle class, you had a changing book culture and book economy. One of the things that made How to Win Friends and Influence People such a huge bestseller was the fact that it appeared in a 25-cent paperback edition shortly after the hardcover was published. That may sound like no big deal. I think that might be the copy we have, Chris. Yes, it is I the copy it, yeah. we have. Because it was too expensive to get the hardcover one. This one even includes the address of the printing press where you mm-hmm. can reach out and get more copies. Yeah. Fantastic. So it's hard for us to think about this now, but paperback books weren't really a thing in 1937. And so Robert DeGraff made a deal with Dale Carnegie to create a 25-cent edition of How to Win Friends and Influence People. Within two months, they sold 30,000 copies. And insofar as they kept records of stuff, they saw no impact on hardcover sales. So what became clear was that Lower-income people Mm. would buy these cheap paperback books if they were kept separate from hardback books, which more respectable people with more disposable income wanted to buy. And publishers could diversify and expand their marketplace and, in essence, expand the scope of who was middle-class enough to be able to afford books that they would read for self-improvement. So... Carnegie is important because he is addressing a middle-class audience through what had just become a new middle-class form, which Mm. was the paperback book. And that is going to be the form that the huge amounts of self-help books sold throughout the 20th century appear in. And it all started with Carnegie with the 1937 uh, paperback edition of How to Win Friends and Influence People. 
You That's are insane. amazing. We all want to take a class with you right now. Yeah. This, this is, is blowing my mind. So part of the reason this book was such a big hit was availability and like a new marketing tactic. I think so. I don't want that fact to take away from the fact that one of the reasons, probably the biggest reason I think this book was such a huge bestseller was that it really shows the truth about the capitalism mm. of the early 20th century, which was that it was a heartless, cutthroat, rapacious world where one mistake could basically end your career. Um, that really comes across in Carnegie's language. The world is full of people who you need to manipulate mm. and get over on, and his techniques are really about new and improved ways to get over on them, not how to become a better person yourself, but to become a more successful manipulator of other yeah. people. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, you know, is an important skill in, right. uh, in a capitalist economy. Um, and I think that that is, a, in a way, what really resonated with a lot of his totally. readers. They just need to be better at manipulating the system <laughs> in which they find themselves right. in rather than trying to find a way to opt out of or to change that system. I think it's hilarious that you say it's about manipulating people because Jolenta's takeaway from the book was also, this book is all about manipulation. And mine was, it was all about love. I made so many she friends while living friends by this book. and I influenced I people. I know. <laughs> I listened to the episode and I was like, what is she talking about? <laughs> She's like, um, everyone's happy and friends now. Everybody is interesting and approach everyone as if they're interesting and never treat them as if they're wrong and see the value in them and... Um, see the humanity in them. And I tried to do that throughout this whole time. And I'm like, this book is wonderful. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, I've given a very jaded and um, and cynical reading of it. And I actually like yours and I like the world you live in a lot better oh, it's than the a great one, one I've just described. Um, and probably the fact that the book could be read in both different ways is what allowed it to be such a huge bestseller. Right. If you're a glass half full person, you see a world full of love. If you're a glass half empty person, you see a world full of people who are willing to be manipulated by you. <laughs> exactly. One of the things that, but one of the things that I also thought was really interesting about it that's present in y'all's shared response is that really what Carnegie is doing is teaching men how to act more like women, mm. um, teaching them to use those soft skills that those people who daily ways yeah people who historically have not had a lot of power need to use those ways in order to get people who do have power to do what they want and one of the things we can take away from this is that job loss economic hardship and a revelation of how precarious everyone's life as a breadwinner really was prompted a lot of dudes out there to have to realize that they needed to get in touch with their feminine side Professor Travis, this has been so fascinating. Thank you so much for putting How to Win Friends and Influence People into a historical context for us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break, but stay with us. When we're back, we'll be hearing from all of you out there who wrote in this week. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. 
Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. We're back, and we've got listener responses. That's what you guys wrote to us. Uh, And it's all about how to win friends and influence people. So let's start with what people have to say who have already lived by Dale Carnegie's principles. Yes. Ryan says, I read Dale Carnegie's book back when I was in university and trying to teach myself to be more like my best friend, a very approachable and approaching guy who made friends and impressions wherever he went. As you noted, a lot of the basic advice makes sense, and I've tried keeping it in mind for the last 20 years, calling people by their names. For example, when I was on paternity leave, I would record parents' and kids' names on a list on my phone so that I would remember next time I saw them, as no one really likes to forever be known by their kid. It's served me pretty well overall. Um, Ryan, that list of people's names in your phone is genius. That's such a good idea. I'm going to start stealing that because I do realize like that is it's an important thing. You need to remember people's names and like it makes people feel very seen. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to have a cheat sheet. I mean, way back when in season one, we lived by the memory book. I still try to use some of those skills, but a cheat sheet helps. Yeah. Why use your memory when your phone can do it for you? (laughs) Uh, We got this letter from Rebecca who says, Despite how dated some of the material is, the basics hold up. I've recently started using similar tactics in talking about race and white privilege slash fragility. The whole I've experienced that too or I absolutely felt similarly seems much more conducive to continuing the conversation than just quoting mass incarceration numbers at someone. Oh, Rebecca, that's true. I should probably do that more. Yeah, I am totally the person who's like, listen to these mass incarceration numbers, Mm -hmm. listen to these statistics on police brutality, and um, maybe sometimes trying to build a bridge instead of, I don't know. Burning it it all down? I want to burn it all down. Well, My my gut says burn it down, but... No, I I understand. I've been talking (laughs) uh, to my therapist a lot about how I like to sound the alarm, but sometimes (laughs) when you sound the alarm... It deters people from actually listening to what the l- alarm's about because it's yeah. so jarring. Yeah. So I understand. Like, there, there is tact to be used even when situations aren't blaring and feel like emergencies. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Gabriella has this to say. I read How to Win Friends and Influence People from time to time. Sometimes I roll my eyes at some of the stories, but it always makes my life better for a while when I have the content fresh in my mind. It makes me have more empathy for those around me and discover more about their lives. Anything that reminds you to have empathy is good, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. So even if it's a 
outdated book, like, for sure. Who gives a shit? If it's a greeting card, if it's a rock, I don't care. Yeah. If it's a commercial for Folgers, which oh, at Christmas time, those always make me feel something. Oh, there's one commercial that's killing me lately about some dead grandma. Oh, God. Doesn't that make you want to be better to your grandma? No, and I'm like, empathy. It's yes. important. Thank you, commercial <laughs> and or outdated text. Love it. Uh, this next letter is from Holly, who says, my husband swears that this book is the reason he's a good business owner and manager. He has a lot of social anxiety and always worries about saying the wrong thing. And this book gave him a lot of concrete techniques to use when talking to his customers and his employees. I love that. Yes. This makes so much sense because I think that there are a lot of people out there who feel just like they don't know the basics of social interactions for whatever reason, whether it's their own social anxiety or the way they were raised or maybe mm -hmm. not being in this culture but being brought up in a different culture and so on. I mean, I think that sometimes just having a guidebook that teaches totally. you the basics can be really, really useful, even if it does seem corny. Yeah, and again, like with the empathy stuff, it's just like, especially with anxiety, you get so stuck on like, did I do this wrong? Did I do that wrong? Like things that get your focus outside of yourself really help. Catherine says, I'm a certified fundraising executive. My whole job is making friends and convincing them to give money to my nonprofit employer. We regularly use Dale Carnegie rules on the job because they work. Continuing to ask people questions about themselves or their interests makes people feel good. And as a fundraiser, the more I know about you, the better I can craft a proposal you'll want to support. Yo, that's evil genius level smart. <laughs> but yeah, figure out what people are into. And then like when you can appeal to that, like they feel good giving money to a cause. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this is not the most predatory thing in the world. It's just you are supporting a good cause. You're a charity fundraiser. And we all have charitable hearts, but sometimes we just need to have those charitable hearts opened up a little bit, right? Agreed. Up next, we have a fantastic voicemail from Kelly about how her dad lived by Dale Carnegie and what she thinks he learned from his books. My dad was obsessed with the Dale Carnegie book. He was like a very typical Midwestern man of his, man of his era, right? Like very, like kind of emotionally shut down. He was also an alcoholic and um, he really did not have much emotional, like his emotional skills were not great. And in looking, just happened to be looking through that stuff, and pairing it against Dale Carnegie, I realized, oh, a lot of my dad's emotional skills, the ones that he had, really did come from the Dale Carnegie books. And I think that's an actual really interesting kind of nuance of these kind of self-help books, especially that were targeted towards men, is that literally that just taught men of that era how to interact emotionally when they didn't actually have that skills. And it was like kind of seen as maybe a little bit soft to do it like that. Kelly, I love this voicemail so much. I love it because partly it's speaking back to what Professor Travis was saying exactly. earlier about, you know, men of a certain generation learning soft skills and being a Midwest person myself who right. grew up around a lot of stoic older men. I could see where this book would really be an important thing to have in the toolkit to mm -hmm. learn to maybe... So it's like chipping away at that wall. Yeah. Yeah. And unlearning maybe some of the things that were, I, I mean, nowadays we would call it toxic masculinity, mm -hmm. like these walls put up around you, the keeping your distance, the not getting to know people, the not appearing weak. And the book doesn't worry about, are you going to look weak yeah. from having interests or paying attention no, to like, people or asking questions? If you're empathetic, like, <laughs> you're a woman. <laughs> Which is fine. Yes. In fact... Yes. Perhaps superior. Yes. 
But this next voicemail maybe suggests that all of that programming of men from back in the day that Professor Travis talked about and that Kelly talked about in her voicemail, maybe things are shifting. Hey, guys. I really enjoyed your uh, newest episode. And something that really surprising, I guess, in terms of, you know, how times have changed is how a lot of these points are so normal to us. You know, it's so nice to see that the generations nowadays, they really care about listening to other people's opinions. They really care about being interested in other people. They care about respecting opinions, even if they don't agree with them. So that makes me, that made me really happy. It made me really happy to see that we are raising people that are able to communicate better because a lot of these points just kind of seem second nature to me. And I know that they would be second nature to a lot of my peers. So just want to say that, you know, yay, go us. Um, not everything is going south. So that was really cool. Oh, that is great. I mean, it is such a good point that every generation is kind of brought up with different ideas of what's socially acceptable, about how to interact with people, how Mm -hmm. much distance to have. What is socializing? Is it on a screen? Is it in in person? Yeah, and how proper to be or how distant and all of those things. And I love that this voicemail is pretty much saying, yeah, most of this stuff seems like second nature now to me as a young person. And maybe back then it wasn't, but it feels good to know that it is the norm now. Yeah, like we are evolving. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Even though it feels like we've got a long way to go. Like, we have come far. Yeah, this is oh, like I, night and day. That is a good way to look at this. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah, it's like night and day from the Kelly voicemail we got about yes. what her dad was like exactly. years and years ago in the Midwest. Yeah. So thank you so much for all of those letters, all those voicemails. But warning, when we come back, the responses are not going to be all sunshine and roses for Dale Carnegie. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. We're back, and we're going to hear from some people who aren't really feeling the Dale Carnegie love. Yeah, Rick says, the book may as well be called How to Make People Think You're Their Friend So You Can Sell Them Shit. There's a reason it's the quintessential American tome. Oh, <laughs> Rick. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, Rick. Rick, that is a solid read. Yeah. I mean, I love it, it. It makes sense that so many business people like this book and why it is simultaneously on the shelf in the business department and mm-hmm. marketing department and sales departments of the bookstore, as well as the self-help section. Oh, totally. It's like, 
let's trick people into like revealing their inner selves. It was like the first data mining book. (laughs) I like this. Some people took major issue with the word influence. And as someone who used this book to influence people, I love it. (laughs) Rebecca says, I feel so icky when I notice someone trying to influence me. Influence is often a synonym for manipulate. I don't love it. And on top of that, Meg says, I don't try to influence people. I don't think it's right to get people to do what I want. I want people to do what they want as long as they are safe. And if what they're doing is not safe, I have a conversation with them about my concerns. That feels like honesty, not influence. And I can only help someone if they want it anyway. Otherwise, it usually just leads to resentment. That is very true. Maybe Dale Carnegie just used the word influence to trick business people into like having empathy and conversations and was just like, but also you'll be able to sell if you do that too. I don't know. I'm trying to play both sides of the field. I also wonder though if influence maybe had a different connotation back then than it does now. And if maybe Dale Carnegie is someone who helped make influence seem more problematic. I was going to say, maybe he changed it to be a little more manipulative because, like, he added a consumerism element to it. Yeah, maybe. I mean... Whoa, Dale. I mean, influence isn't always a bad thing. Now we have the term influencer and people want to be influencers, right? (laughs) Some people I mean, no, people definitely do, but, like, why? (laughs) I don't know. So that they can influence people. But I want to influence people with work I make, not by just being... Or to wash Frank's face. Oh, yeah. Well, that I just need help with because it's gross. <laughs> um, all right. I want to get to a few letters that are not just debating Dale Carnegie, but maybe are about like our season of by the book. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's do that. Kat says, I don't play the clarinet, but I absolutely love the sound of it. And I was so happy to hear my very favorite woodwind instrument and Nora's sexy AF vocals together in the new theme song. Uh, hell yes. If you guys have not heard our new theme song, which would probably be hard if you're listening. (laughs) Um, Unless you skip it. You never know. Oh, don't Um, skip it. It's so good. Nora sings it. It is phenomenal. You guys, she is such a real singer. It's crazy. Yeah, she sounds sultry. She sounds intelligent. She does not sound manipulative or influential so much as, like, she wants to be your friend, but Mm -hmm. maybe your naughty friend who's really smart. Well, yeah. All those things. Everything. 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 She just, like, sings as a very—you can tell how well-rounded she is as a human when she's singing. Yes. I also love this little letter we got from Erica who says, I love history, and I think the self-help industry is an interesting tangent of the American dream myth. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Here, we'll tell you how. Or this is how to invent yourself. Or this is the way to be anything that you want to be because you're just like Horatio Elger. And (laughs) here we'll tell you how after you give us money. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, Erica, nail on the head. Yeah, we may be seeing a lot of that over the next several episodes Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming how, like, the American dream evolves a bit with each decade. What goals we're aiming for. Oh, yes. Um, And what our anxieties are. Because aren't self-help books all about our anxieties and our ambitions? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. how to buy a book that stops them (laughs) and fixes all the bad things? Yeah, just all of that. All of that. Oh, speaking of uh, future books we're going to live by this season, should we announce next week's book. (gasps) Is it that time? I think it is. It's time to announce next week's book. Our next book is On Being a Real Person by Harry Emerson Fosdick. 
wait, am I not already a real person? I would like to become a real balloon, so I don't know if this book will help me. What if I turn into an alpaca between now and then? I guess you will have to listen next week to find out if we become real or not. And that's it for this mini-sode of Buy the Book. Huge thanks to our fabulous production team at Stitcher, our producer Nora Ritchie, our engineer Andy Christens, and special thanks to Jared O'Connell. Thanks also to Nate Wyda, who composed our theme song, Jared Arnold, who produced this season's new version of the theme song, and our very own producer Nora for singing it. Chris Bannon is our chief content officer, and Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. And don't forget, stay in touch. Want to hear yourself on a mini episode? You can write us at our Facebook community by going to facebook.com slash groups slash pod. You can email us at kristenangelenta at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at bythebookpod, at kristenmeinzer, at Jolenta G. You could even slide in to our Instagram DMs at bythebookpod. And don't forget to call us. We love your beautiful voices. Our phone number is 302-49-BOOKS. That's 302-492-6657. Leave us a voicemail there, and we will play that voicemail on the show. And don't forget to rate us and review us wherever you're listening, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. It helps us, you know, stay in the charts that we think dictate our lives. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I am Jolanta Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. So I've listened to the shows and I've tried to separate who's who, but mm-hmm. it really is kind of difficult because you both sound like you're from Brooklyn. Uh-oh. Uh, so, oh, hot uh, damn. Yeah. Did you hear that, Jolenta? Oh, my God. I've she never been more proud. She doesn't think I sound Minnesotan at all. Wow. I mean, you really did when you hit that Minnesotan. <laughs> Stitcher. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.